Welcome to Ideas into Reality, a podcast to inspire everyone to take action to turn their ideas into reality. No matter what experience they have, where they live, or who they think they are right now. Each week, we introduce you to a founder that has taken their tiny flicker of an idea and done what it takes to bring it to reality. We also take a few minutes to dig into the how of some of the key lessons those founders have learned on their journey so that you can feel more confident in what to actually do as you start to take action on your idea. Ideas into Reality is hosted and produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba. So we'll be talking to founders from our local community here in regional Queensland, as well as some of the interesting folk that we have met during our travels around the globe. As you heard, Ideas into Reality is produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking, a not-for-profit, member-based association. We're a community of entrepreneurs, freelancers, business owners, and collaborative, community-focused individuals who want to be part of a supportive and connected ecosystem. Our members are why we exist, and each member brings unique value, experience, and character to our community. You can see who our members are on our website. Just head to canvascoworking.com.au forward slash members. We help our members access a variety of goods and services to grow scalable and sustainable businesses, such as discounts with Amazon, Stripe and HubSpot, and local businesses like childcare services. We offer several membership options to suit the needs, budget and interests of our diverse community, with community membership starting at just $10 a month. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing you all to Steph Piper. Steph is the founder of Piper 3D, the resident maker at the USQ Makerspace, and one half of the emerging electronic tech kits for girls company, Elkie Education. For the last few years, I've had the opportunity to watch and be part of Steph's journey of bringing her idea behind Elkie Education to life, along with her co-founder, Andrea Madden. From the very first pitch at a startup weekend, I've been excited to see this idea evolve, particularly as it aligns so closely with one of my favourite programs here at Canvas Coworking, our free kids coding club, Coder Dojo Toowoomba. That's enough from me for now. Let me introduce you to Steph and we'll hear the story from her side. Okay, so let's get into some questions then with Steph. So Steph, I'm really keen to know what was happening in your life when you actually got this idea? Okay, so it was the cusp of the weekend to the uh, women's startup weekend that was run at Canvas Coworking. And I knew that if I didn't go along to this, that I'd be in big trouble next time I went to a Canvas Coworking event. Uh, so <laughs> I made sure that uh, I didn't have any excuses and I came up with the idea for Elkie Education in the car on the way there. I knew that if I wanted to you know, work as passionately and energetically as I wanted to on this weekend, I would have to bring my own idea and pitch it. And so I pitched the idea and formed a team of people that I think, like I'd only met Andrea uh, on the night, uh, which was pretty cool. And she's my current co-founder. 
And uh, we worked away on the idea and uh, we ended up uh, pitching again against the, the judges on the final day. And we ended up winning the competition for the local area, which was super exciting and a little bit unexpected for me. And with that, we were able to progress to the international finals over in Bali and head up against teams from places like Malaysia, Brunei, Philippines, Japan, China, all kinds of different places. And uh, went over there with uh, yourself, Joy, and uh, Lisa and Andrea. And it was a absolutely fantastic weekend of learning and sort of experiencing what another country's co-working space was like. Um, that was a, a real eye-opener as to digital nomad type life, uh, which was really cool. Uh, but we ended up winning that international competition as well. And we thought, wow, this idea probably has legs. Let's, let's go at it. It was wonderful to see that idea pitched and also carried forward after the weekend, which doesn't always happen at the end of a startup weekend. Sometimes people have a great idea on the weekend and then it doesn't go anywhere. So really proud of you both for taking it forward and making it happen. So for you to pitch an idea like this, obviously you had some some curiosity, some knowledge. What else were you doing at that time that actually put you in a position of going, you know what, I think Electronics Kids for Kids would be great. Great. For girls in particular, how did you get even to have that idea pop into your mind, do you think? Where my interest tends to lead is I like to take on projects with 3D printing and with electronics and with hardware that is challenging to me. And I usually stick around on a project for a little bit and then I move on to something else. And electronics was the next big thing that I hadn't really delved too deeply into. And I felt like it was an area that I really wanted to see if I could get in there and do it. And um, like I'd already started teaching Arduino classes um, but never really designed my own circuit boards or sort of got into it further than that. And I always sort of wish that I had more background knowledge in that space. Like I feel like growing up, I could have had a lot more experience in this area if there was offerings out there for me to go and learn and, you know, get stuck into. And I feel like hardware especially is one of our most growing areas that we need people to be understanding of and good at and feel some kind of digital citizenship anyway and ownership over the hardware that they own. You should be able to get your phone, get your uh, silly old paper printer and do the things that you want with it, you know, where you have ownership over that and you should be able to hack on it and deeply understand what's going on in that device to some degree. I couldn't agree more. I think there's so many things that we use without actually having any understanding how they work and often we're not encouraged to. And you mentioned that you didn't really have that opportunity as a child growing up to sort of play and engage with those things. Do you think that's because you were a girl, like that it just wasn't presented to you or? Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't tend to find that kind of thing for girls, especially. And often it's easier for people to subvert their own expectations around what they think you should be doing. You go down the the pink aisle in the shops and uh, that's what you get. And if you get anything that looks a bit too masculine, you know, you might offend the child, you might offend the parents, all those kinds of things. Yeah, there does need to be more out there that is, I think, more obvious that it can be bought for girls. I know you're not as old as me, but I, you know, I didn't probably have a lot of opportunity to play with those sorts of things when I was young as well. So they were quite foreign when I realised that they were there and could be played with. So you've pitched at a startup weekend, you've won the startup weekend, we took you over to Bali, we got you to meet a whole lot of people, you won that one as well. Then what happened? So what did you do next to actually take this awesome idea that you'd worked on for, well, more than just 48 hours by then, but it was still quite young. But what what happened next? Then we got to go and do the startup on-ramp course, which was part of the prize winnings, which was an absolutely fantastic experience to 
actually go and workshop that idea and actually get stuck into the nitty gritty of making it happen. And having that as part of the prize was an absolute blessing because it wouldn't have been something that I would have been able to afford or sort of think that I could do. Having it as part of that um, was, yeah, it was great. There's so much good mentoring, so much good theory around what we should be doing. And it really sort of, I think, put us on a straight path to um, what we should be thinking about and what we should be doing in that space. Great. Well, uh, it makes me happy to hear that as well, because we always wonder, you know, do people like getting this as a prize? But clearly they do. And we have had a few conversations about it. So I'm, I'm glad that that's the case. We're really happy that you chose to move forward. And you mentioned mentoring there. So along the way, obviously, there's been a lot of things that you've had to learn and, and people who've been involved. What come on that road to reality? What, what's happened all kinds of fun things. So when I first began, I had no idea how to design a circuit board. I was uh, very ill-equipped to start this idea. And while I had sort of made some children's kits before, so I'd made stuff like Scribblebots kits, um, Bristlebots, all those kinds of more basic type ones. Yeah, really, there was a lot for me to learn and to sit down and do. And that was the time where I did a bit of a, a marathon uh, YouTube tutorial run where I learned a whole range of different software. And I think that's really something that I do not regret doing at all. I think early on, I sort of thought that I could sort of spend money on things that would solve our problems, you know, spend money on uh, different people that had different skills to bring a part of a project together for us. And whenever I did that, I would sort of realize, wow, they had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> this, is, this wasn't what I envisioned. I'm going to have to get in there and do it myself, uh, which uh, was really worth it. And so I ended up learning a whole range of different softwares along the way, including uh, KiCad to get our circuit boards done, quite a few of the Adobe suite as well, like Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Animate. And a lot of it was pretty tricky learnings, especially circuit board design stuff. I would send the design through to the factory and they would come back and say, hey, you noob, you have gone and done this wrong. Go and fix it up. And so that would be how I would learn. So whenever they would come back with things to fix, I'd just go and fix it up and send it back through again. I wouldn't try and let that stop me. But of course, as we sort of went along, we pivoted quite a few times. Uh, so initially, I thought it would be a great idea to have a kit that would be like a little house that you could put together like a jigsaw puzzle and you could put in all of the circuits in the house as well um, and have you know some kind of parallels to, really, to reality where you would learn about how circuits come together in like a building, for example. But doing something like that for a hardware-specific company was not a good starting product because it was going to be too expensive to prototype for us and there was a lot involved in putting together a bigger product like that. And I feel like a lot of our pivots sort of come back to the same point and the same learning that I'm only just starting to look back and see now, which is we shouldn't have tried to make the best product we could. We should have tried to make the most minimal product we could. The old lean startup methods coming back to haunt us. And uh, only now I, am I starting to realize and starting to see the benefit of doing it that way. Like you always sort of you hear about it and you think, ah, yes, that is what I'm doing. But you're not, you're not really. You've got to think more minimal and more minimal and more minimal. You've got to skinny it down so many more times before you actually get it right. So we ended up launching a Kickstarter campaign where I think that lesson was driven home. So we ended up traveling to China, which was a fantastic experience to go and visit the electronics markets, visit factories meet the people who are making the product and really understand the method to a deep degree. And we ended up also meeting uh, the head of Kickstarter in Asia over there who loved what we were working on, loved our idea and uh, was pretty ready to support us uh, in our Kickstarter campaign at his high level anyway. 
And of course, our campaign only made about a third of the funding that it was meant to. And it was a bit of a, like a, a tricky fail for us because we sort of were hinging a lot of our hopes on getting this through. So it really made us, uh, put us in that position anyway to really, really rethink the Lean Startup Method and, and do it right and build it up small organically from there. So that's, that's been our journey so far anyway. I know that you've definitely learned a lot through that and it, it actually warms my heart a little bit when someone says, so now we realise what MVP <laughs> actually means. So when Joy talked about that in you Startup <laughs> OnRamp, <laughs> we, we now get it. I still have to find a way of how do you make people actually understand that without them failing and then realising that I actually don't fail. know that there is a way. <laughs> I think you have to fail and, and then realise perhaps, <laughs> I'm not sure, the first time around anyway. So so that's great. And, and we've seen that. I know another thing that's happened throughout your journey, which was probably a challenge, and maybe this was perhaps more in Andrea's domain than, than yours, but at Startup Weekend, you pitched spark girls and that was what you were called and now your elki education do you just want to tell us a little bit about why that changed so we really liked the um the name spark girls it sort of really encompassed what we were trying to do it was easy to say easy to look up and like it really was a bit of a self-descriptive name but unfortunately we ended up changing that name to elki education because our ip lawyer said that there was potentially going to be conflicts with companies like Spark Fun and Sparkle Girls, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but I think it was the right decision to make sure that we put the right foot forward in terms of protecting the business as it sort of grows and making sure that we could start building a name that people will hopefully remember down the track. Elkie is a made-up word, um, but it does sort of have the word L in there for electronics. Um, it was really tough to try and dream up a new business name that didn't have the same or similar problems. I do not envy anyone that has to come up with a new business name. I think that's actually the hardest part of starting a business is deciding on the name. <laughs> maybe, oh, yeah. maybe not. That might be an exaggeration, but mm. it's definitely challenging. So, but well done. Elkie Education, we can say it really easily now. We're used to it and the logo all looks great and, and all the branding looks really good. So you've done a good job with it. Yeah, cheers. The other thing that I'm keen to hear, and I mean, I, I watch like a bit of a, you know, mother duck with chicks <laughs> who's really, really proud, but what are you most proud of from what you've achieved so far, at least anyway? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, I'm most proud of learning all that software. So sitting down and grinding a new software from start to finish is a bit of a, a mental struggle. And for me to actually sit down and do that with so many different suites is something that I'm super duper proud of because like I sort of, you sort of start off this whole venture and you think, wow, like what am I doing doing this when I haven't studied electrical engineering or had any formal training in this area? Like, can I really just learn on YouTube from start to finish all this kind of stuff? And you definitely can. Part of this whole thing anyway is um, I really want to be able to subvert the stereotype uh, of what people tend to think of someone of my gender and my age and what they are capable of. It's been really exciting for me to learn this much in such a short period of time and it's made me realise how much more we're all capable of in terms of actually sitting down and learning new skills and building things really from scratch. Yeah, it's super exciting. At the moment, I'm starting to learn Blender as well and after learning all these other different 3D modelling softwares, it's all starting to come together and make sense. There's a lot of similarities between them all and I'm super excited to come, come up with some awesome fancy CGI from our existing 3D models using Blender for some of our advertising anyway. 
Blender is a great tool. We use that in Coda Dojo. So a lot of the kids who are part of our Coda Dojo program here have been playing around with it and they make snowmen and they make trees and all these sorts of things. So it's, it's a great tool and they're having a lot of fun with it. Great that you're learning it too. You might be able to come back and do a bit of mentoring with us Hell on that yeah. one. Bean is a bean. Obviously, passion has got you a long way as well as your determination to learn and, and you know, take that opportunity to enhance your skills, learn new things and then use them within your business. What's next for you? Like what's the next step for you? Do you think you know now what you need to know to be able to move the business to its next stage? Or is there something else that you're working on developing yourself that's going to let you move the business to the next stage? I think like I'm sort of excited about uh, some of the products we've got in the pipeline right now. So I've got another uh, three kits that I'm working on at the moment. And once we have those finished and up on the website for sale, I think we'll really start to have a bit more of a value add to people visiting the website and actually purchasing something. Um, Because at the moment we aren't uh, turning much of a dollar you know of course we don't really have that much on our website yet um, so yeah I'm super excited about being able to sort of get to the point where we have a fleshed out shop on our website that has stuff on there that I'm really proud of making and really proud to to sell to people and for them to experience and enjoy uh, putting it together um, so that's sort of what I'm really keen to do and um, I'm not sure if I'm uh, exactly ready to scale I suppose and grow from there as much I think there's a lot more that I need to sit down and learn uh, in terms of Um, how that works uh, potentially internationally but I know that my co-founder Andrea is pretty keen on this kind of stuff as well I'm very lucky to have her and all of her background knowledge about business marketing finances all that kind of stuff that I tend to fall a bit short on so we make a pretty good team in this regard another thing that's sort of come up for our future anyway is of course all of the action around COVID at the moment and hardware shortages in terms of actually being able to get things in and get things made from overseas and We've sort of been looking pretty heavily about the option of going all Australian made, um, but it's been pretty tricky for circuit board specific stuff. Um, So in Australia right now, we realise that there's actually only one or two circuit board manufacturers left onshore. And one of them is purely a defence contractor that does, you know, satellite and uh, military type stuff, which we obviously wouldn't wouldn't be a good fit. Um, There is one over in New Zealand. It sort of made us realise how reliant we are on places like China um, who are absolute experts in their space and in their PCB manufacture. I think being able to make more things onshore or have some kind of more management onshore is something that we're looking into to make sure that we can future-proof or you know, make us more resilient to change, something else to look into as well. And so much of that conversation is happening now because of COVID. How can we, you know, protect our supply chain for a whole lot of industries? And technology is definitely one of them where we just don't have that here. We don't, we expect that we can just get everything from China and it's here in a few days sometimes and and we're okay. But once that door closes, it obviously makes it extremely difficult. Lots to work on there. You mentioned Andrea and obviously the strengths that she has and brings to the team. I'm keen to know in the near future, do you see yourself expanding your team at all, like bringing in anyone else or you think the two of you are you know, working well together and, and will keep going together for now? I'd really like to start looking at people that have already made circuit boards and are excited about this space to jump on and start building products for us. That'd be really cool. But of course, we do need to have more income uh, before we can look at doing that. 
I'm sure Andrea would also uh, equally say, oh, yes, we should also have uh, people that also have her skill set as well, because no doubt she feels sometimes a bit overrun with things. Yeah, I think ideally I'd really like to expand it to the point where we are able to offer exciting, engaging employment for other like-minded people, for sure. I'm sure you will get there. Now, you did talk about selling via your website, which you do, but I know that you've also partnered with some other distributors. So do you want to just tell us who else you're working with and how did those relationships come about? The distributors we're currently working with are Little Bird Electronics and uh, we've sort of got a few more that we're working on as well at the moment. Um, Andrew was able to successfully reach out to them and uh, we did a, a trial run of uh, 30 kits with them. I've also uh, reached out to our local uh, Allen's Electronics. So uh, Alan is the, the guy that runs the show down there and being able to physically go down there in person and show him the stuff that I'm excited about and the stuff that I'm working on, he straight away said, yes, let's put this in the shop. And I ended up 3D printing them a special little display stand as well for them to start selling our little soldering kits on. I think in terms of selling things as well, like for the future of our online store, I'm excited about trying out digital sales and digital downloads, um, especially for stuff like posters and other you know, resource bits and pieces. I'm very keen to see how that goes in terms of not having to provide, say, something that is a physical product, but something that we, you, know, you can just download straight away. I think a lot of teachers would probably appreciate that, particularly those who are needing to start to expand what they're doing in the classroom in in that more digital way, but don't necessarily have the confidence or skill to do it. I'm sure there'll be a, a market for that there. Yeah, for sure. Along this journey, you've obviously learnt a lot and and it's still fairly early in your journey and you're learning and will continue to learn a lot. But if you were sitting down with someone and they said, hey, Steph, I've got this great idea for whatever – what would you want them to know before they walked away and started? Like what, what advice would you have for them? Uh, uh, straight away, here's an A3 lean canvas. Go and fill it in. Uh, <laughs> let me help you with that. <laughs> uh, but definitely uh, rethink that minimum viable product. Always, always. Like um, sitting down and reading the Lean Startup by Eric Rice um, has some fantastic underdog stories in there. I really like the one about the guy that uh, starts a shoe store online. And he goes and instead of getting any shoe stock, he just goes and takes pictures of the shoes at his local shoe store and just puts them up on his website and see if, sees if people will actually take the bait. Working out how to do that validation properly without spending any money if possible and not trying to solve your problems just by throwing money at it. You know, don't think you can do things faster or easier sometimes by paying people to do that specialized work unless you absolutely have to. Sitting down and learning that software and learning those skills means that you have control and you can sort of see how it will come together. And you truly don't really know yourself, especially something like building a website, how you actually want it to come together until you start building it yourself. Making that effort to learn that stuff is an absolute asset and always, always minimum viable product. Great advice. I, I love a good MVP and uh, love seeing them. And sometimes people go, oh, but it doesn't. And it's like, no, tell me what it does do. <laughs> Don't tell me what it doesn't do. Tell me what it does do. And that's what we want to know and, and can talk about it. So it's great. Well, thanks so much, Steph. There's so much in there and I know there's even more to hear uh, and we encourage anyone who doesn't know Steph and Andrea and Elkie Education to check them out, get in contact, certainly if you've got a, an opportunity to help them move forward with accessing PCBs, uh, that would be great. But is there anything else that you would need from people that people listening might be able to help you with? Oh, good question. I think if you are interested in uh, you know, circuit boards and 
educating girls, we'd love to hear from you and sort of build those local networks. Like with our uh, one of our kits that's in the pipeline right now, I'm actively searching around for people to beta test that kit. So you could uh, receive one of them and then give us some great feedback on what your experience was and what needs to be uh, adjusted uh, for a better experience. Yeah, just go and check out our website. And if you do want to reach out, do not be afraid to, please jump on there and check it out and give us a yell if you'd like to chat. Fantastic. So maybe just let people know now, uh, what is the website? Where can they find you and how can they connect with you? What's your you know, social media or your email, phone number, whatever you want to tell them? Excellent. So our website is www.elki, spelled E-L-K-E-I.com.au. So go and check that one out and give us a yell. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you miss the spelling, you can go click on the link there. But thanks so much, Steph, for today. It's always great to have a chat. And as I said, I feel like a bit of a mother duck. I love watching your story and and helping you along where we can, but also letting you find your way. And it's, I think, important even with all children to let them stumble a little bit and learn how to pick (laughs) themselves up, even though you so want to help them (laughs) at the time. But um, yeah, sure. look, really appreciate your time sharing the story. Good luck with it all to you and Andrea. And I'm sure that post COVID, at least, you'll be able to uh, hopefully take another uh, adventure wherever you need to go to find connections with the people who are going to help you move forward on that journey with a maybe slightly stronger supply chain. So thanks so much. Cool. Thanks so much, Joy. We heard Steph from Elkie Education talk about the importance of refining your MVP when getting started. So I wanted to dig into that a little deeper today. An MVP or minimum viable product is the solution that solves a part of the problem your customer has that will allow you to gather feedback from those early adopting customers on their experience. Sometimes known as a build, measure, learn loop, It needs to have a core functional element, but it also needs to be enjoyable to use, not too overwhelming to learn how to use, and accessible. An MVP does not have every bell and whistle that you can think of. It's lean in the true sense of the word. Less is more. If you wait until you have what you believe is the perfect, fully functional product that your customer needs, you may find that you run out of money or get beaten to the market by a faster moving competitor, as well as learn that you really haven't hit the mark with your customer anyway by not involving them in the process. So when thinking about your solution, this is the time to think small and efficient, not in size, but in features. Get it into the hands of your customers and be prepared to talk to them about all of their experience. Learn from that and then adjust your solution and rinse and repeat. You won't learn it all on the first go-round. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Ideas Into Reality episode. And we hope that you enjoyed learning about our founder's journey and got a couple of takeaways from the lesson learned that will help end the flames of your idea. Assuming you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app, And let your friends know too. They might just be sitting on an idea that you do not even know about yet. 
You can find out more about Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba by visiting our websites, canvascoworking.com.au and startuptoowoomba.com.au or finding us on pretty much any social media platform. My name is Joy Taylor and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey and I look forward to introducing you to our next guest in our next episode. Thank you.